We are on the very bottom of Tez Vav Amabez of 15b, and in the article it's on 15b6. We concluded our discussion about Acher, and we are going back to Rabbi Akiva. We mentioned that there were four rabbis from the times of the Gemara that went into the orchard, they went into the Pardes, it was Ben Azai, Ben Zoma, Acher, and Rabbi Akiva. And it says about Rabbi Akiva, he was different than the other three. The other three it had a very serious uh, and lasting impact on them. For Rabbi Akiva, it says, Allah b'shalom v'yar b'shalom. He went in in peace, into the orchard in peace, and he left in peace. So the Gemara says, V'alav of Omer. With regards, it says about uh, the following in the verse, the following verse is connected to Rabbi Akiva, Mashchini acharecha narutza. Draw me, we will run after you. Af Rabbi Akiva, but this is referring to Afar B'Kiva, Bikshu Malacha Esharis L'Dolchvo. Even Rabbi Kiva, he was in, he was in uh, danger. The Malacha Esharis, the ministering angels, wanted to have him go away from this area, from this uh, spiritual realm of the Pardes. Amr Lamech Baruch Hashem said to these angels, No, he nichol zakin leave this elder, this Rabbi Kiva here, Sheroi Lishtamish B'Chavodi. He's deserving to use my honor, to make use of my honor. Uh, and so he he went in peace and he left in peace. The Gemara in Tezayin the beginning of 16a1 now, in the article of Gemara says, My Darash, how did Rabbi Kiva know how to avoid, let's say, looking at the area of the divine presence? Or perhaps, I mean, how did he know not to make the same mistake as Acher, to look in, uh, to delve into a certain area, to look in a certain area? So the Gemara is going to quote different verses for this. So Amr Rabbi Baruchan Amr Yochan Amr Yochan says, "V'asam Rivos Kodesh." The verse says that Hashem approached Asa with some of the many angels, and from here we say they uh, work with they use the words to say, "Osu Birevavishalau." He's represented by a symbol amongst his myriads. That he's he's God is not uh, like the other angels. He's he's different. It was uh, clear to identify the difference, and so therefore Rabbi Kiva was did not uh, go further into looking to see the uh, the Divine Presence itself. Rabbi Yavavu says, a different verse, Dugal Merivava, the verse says that, Dugal Merivava, Dugmahu Barivava Shalom. They expand on this and say that, Dugal, Dugma, it's a likeness of, in his myriad. That there's, it's he's uh, he's identifiable, he's specific, it's a way to identify his uh, God's place. And so that's how Rabbi Kiva knew not to go there. A third verse, Hashem Tzavakos Shemo, Adon Hu B'Tzava Shalo. Hashem is the Lord, the Adon, the Master in His area. So you can identify where He is. A final verse, the verse says, this is with regards to Eliyahu, it says that, Lo Beruach Hashem, Hashem is not in the wind, Ruach Rash, and then there came an earthquake, Lo Beruach Hashem, Hashem is not by an earthquake, Vacharash Esh, and after the earthquake, earthquake came a fire. Esh Hashem, Hashem is not in the fire. This is a famous verse. Vachar Esh After the fire came a thin, small, thin sound. That's where Vihine Hashem over, and Hashem is passing through there. That's where you can find Hashem. Hashem is not found in the big noise, but it's in the cold Mamadaka in the small, thin sound. And this is the famous uh, verse that's told to Eliyahu about where where Hashem is found. And that Hashem is not found in the busyness of life, in the busyness of life, and in the city life. That's not where you find Hashem, but Hashem is found in that 
small, thin sound. That's where you can find Hashem. When everything is quiet and peaceful, and you're able to concentrate, that's when you can find God. That's when you can find Hashem. But these are four different verses that they use to explain how Rabbi Kiva, he did not... He did not end up like the others because he was able to know where he should look, where he shouldn't look, and so therefore he came out in peace. That concludes the entire story of the orchard. We now have today's, the rest of today's recording and tomorrow's recording to finish this entire topic of this Mishnah, which delves into esoteric ideas, and then we will begin a new Mishnah by the end of this week's recordings. But the Gemara now continues on a new topic, on a similar esoteric topic, but a new topic. and it's taught... By the rabbis, we now discuss Shadim. This is our first introduction to Shadim. There are six characteristics with regards to Shadim. Shadim are demons, literally. It's These are these uh, spiritual figures which are have similarities to people, and but it's on a lower level, but they have similarities to angels also. They're lower level angels, essentially. And so the Brisa says... There are six characteristics with regards to demons, with regards to these shedim. Three similarities to angels. These demons have three similarities to angels and three similarities to human beings. What are they? They have three characteristics that are similar to the angels. They have wings like the ministering angels. We mentioned in the past that the angels have wings. Again, this is not to be taken literally. Perhaps it's about flying with a purpose, that it's it's going on a mission with a specific purpose. And that's what it's referring to. Number two is, They fly from one end of the world to the other end of the world, like these angels. And the third characteristic is, they, they know the future. So the Gemara interjects and says, Do they really know the future? Even the angels don't know the future. What it means is not that they know the future, what's going to happen in the distant future, but they know what's going on right now. They can know about what's taking place as we speak in the world, uh, but not but not in uh, in the distant uh, future. So they know what's going on right now. And then there are three comparisons to people. We're moving on to 16a2 in the article of Gemara. They eat and drink like human beings. And they multiply like human beings. They procreate. And they die like human beings. They also die like human beings. Okay, and that concludes the story of Shadim. Shadim is a very, very big topic about what exactly are these demons? Who are these demons? The Rambam, my man, is known to say that these demons did not exist. And he's, he's a minority opinion amongst the earlier commentators about this. He's of the opinion that they didn't actually exist, these Shadim. But it's a, it's a big topic as to what exactly these Shadim are, what their purpose is, what their role is in the world. But the Gemara now continues and says, Shisha Dvarm Nemru Adam. There are six tar- characteristics about human beings. Three of them are similar to the angels. Three, like the animals. They have three comparisons to the angels. Number one, they have knowledge, they have understanding like the angels. We have a deeper level of understanding that we could uh, we could comprehend on a very different level. Um, conceptually, we could understand more than the animals do, and so it's more similar to the angels in that respect. Number two is, that human beings walk erect. We walk on two feet instead of four animals 
the vast majority of animals walk on fours. And the idea, perhaps, the idea that I heard behind that is that they walk on fours so their head is towards the ground, that they're more physical. We stand up straight and tall and our head is facing what's in front of us, not the ground, but what's in front of us. We, uh, we have that ability to think deeper, to be more spiritual. And we also we speak Lashon HaKodesh, the holy tongue, just like the angels also speak uh, Hebrew. It's referring to Lashon HaKodesh. The, the Hebrew language is called the holy language. And we speak that just like the angels speak that. As to why it's called the holy language is a discussion. It's a dispute between the Rambam and the Ramban. Maimonides and Nachmanides. One opinion is that it's called Lashon HaKodesh, the holy language, because there are no inappropriate or dirty words. There are no inappropriate words. There's no word for the uh, the reproductive organs. It's just Avar Zachar, the organs of the male, organs of the female. It doesn't have any specific names. It doesn't uh, refer to uh, sexual relations by any specific name, rather than by Chibor, connection, and Bia, going into. But they don't have separate words for this. That's one explanation. The second explanation is that the reason why it's called Lashon HaKodesh is because Hashem spoke. When Hashem spoke to create the world, He used the Hebrew language. And so that's why it is holy. And He created the world through the Hebrew language. And therefore it's called, it's called the, the holy language. Okay, those are the three ways in which humans are compared to angels. Again, their understand, the level of understanding that they walk erect like angels. And the third one is that they speak the Hebrew language. Ushlosha kibahema. And they have three characteristics that are like an animal. What are those? They eat and drink like an animal. And they multiply like an animal. And they eliminate waste like an animal. They go to the bathroom like an animal. There's an interesting question that's asked. One of the commentators asks, why don't we say that we die? That people die just like animals. We know that the angels, they don't, they don't die in the same way. Perhaps their mission is over, so they disappear but they don't die in the same way. So why don't, why, doesn't, why don't we have included in the list that people die uh, just like animals, just like what we had by the, by the demons, by the demons that says that they die like human beings. So why don't we have that? So a very interesting answer. They say because the death of a human is very different. It's, uh, quali- it's fundamentally different than the death of an animal. That when a human being dies, it's not the end of his death. He still has a neshama. He still has a soul. And his soul continues to live as opposed to the death of an animal. The death of an animal is the ultimate death of that animal. And so we cannot compare our death to that of an animal. Okay, the Gemara now continues. And it goes back to really the beginning of the Mishnah. It quotes from the Mishnah, which we had a while ago, all the way back on Dafir Aleph, on the uh, 11th page, which was the first Mishnah of this chapter. It said in that Mishnah that anyone who looks into these four things, it's better as if they weren't created. And those four things are that which is on top of you, that which is underneath you, that which is in front of you, and that which is behind you. And it said that anybody who delves into these four different topics, it's worthwhile for them never, would have been better for them not to have been created. So the Gemara asks, excuse me, the Gemara asks, I understand why it's inappropriate to really look, delve into what is above, what's above us, what is below the earth, and what is, in, what is after, what happens in, the, in afterwards, at the, in the ultimate future. What happens, those are very, very difficult concepts to understand, and a person could 
misunderstand. It's very easy for a person not to really fully grasp it, and they will come to wrong conclusions. That I understand. But to understand history, what happened before us, whatever was, was. And what's the problem with inquiring about history? So the Gemara answers, Rabbi Yochan and Rabbi Lazar, Damri Tavai, Rabbi Yochan and Rabbi Lazar both said, It's comparable to a king, a human king, who tells his servants, Build for me a beautiful palace on over uh, the, the trash heap, over a, a pile of garbage. So what do they do? These servants, they build it for him. So So once they build this beautiful palace on top of the Ashba, until this top of this trash heap, so the king doesn't want anybody to mention its past. There's no need to mention what happened uh, beforehand. Um, so to attempt to understand what existed before creation, so that is what God doesn't want you to do. The analogy it's trying to teach us, this analogy is, Trying to teach us that you'll get the false picture. To try to really delve into what happened before the world existed is extremely difficult to do. You'll arrive to a false picture and that will dishonor uh, God. That will, that will lead you to this. That ultimately is a dishonor uh, to, to God, which we see unfortunately nowadays. Many people have heretical thoughts because of this analysis of what happened before creation. How, was it, how did the world come about? What happened before creation, and uh, to delve into these topics could lead you. It's very difficult. It, it, you could uh, could be led um, to heretical ideas. So that concludes concludes the analysis of that statement of the Mishnah. And then in tomorrow's recording, we will begin with the next statement of the Mishnah. And in tomorrow's recording, we will conclude this entire topic of delving into these esoteric ideas.